Hello and welcome back to the What's It All About podcast. Today, as promised, I've invited back my good friend Ryan, aka Cruzar. Welcome, Ryan. Greetings, Stephen. Greetings to you as well, Ryan. Okay, so as promised, the subject today is Brexit. So we're going to be covering uh, a history of the European Union, how we managed to get ourselves involved in it in the first place, and then obviously move through to the Brexit referendum vote and to today, the position we find ourselves in now. So just a brief history, brief overview of the European Union. This was obviously spawned from the uh, European Economic Community, which we were signed up to without a vote or any say in 1973 by the Conservative Prime Minister at the time, Ted Heath, or Edward Heath as his name was, who, just a little side note, has since been outed as a rampant Satanist and paedophile, but that, I suppose that's uh, safe for a different podcast. Um, in 1975 there was a referendum under the Labour government, which went heavily in the uh, Remain, uh, heavily, heavily swayed toward the Remain side. This was only two years after being in, obviously, so people hadn't had chance to see the true, the true path and direction that it was going in. Since then, obviously, it moved into the European Union as we know it today, under the Maastricht Treaty in 1993. And since then, that's when we've really seen the agenda ramped up. Um, obviously, anybody who has anything about them will realise that the, the sole aim and purpose of the EU is to centralise decision-making. It's a very good way for the few to control the many, and it's just one step on the way to globalisation, the one-world government, the one-world army, the one-world bank, etc. So where we find ourselves today, where 75% of laws affecting the population in the UK are made in the EU. This is by a European Parliament that cannot be voted in by the people. They can pass laws that cannot be voted on. So basically what we're living under is a dictatorship. And yet people still want to live, on, live under that. So let's just start, I think, Ryan, with the lead up to Brexit. How did we get ourselves in a position where we even had a vote on it? <coughs> well, there's been a lot of... <coughs> Britain was never properly in. The European Union. You had half a foot in, half a foot out. Um, many reasons for that. The main reason being, obviously we're not attached to continental Europe. We're an island. Um, we've been a very... We've um, been able to function on our own for a long time. Very independent country. It's in our blood. Um, our history is all about being an independent Britain. Um, that has obviously had an empire that's um, expanded into the Americas. Um, settled continents, gone into Australia, New Zealand. Um, we've had no need to be a vassal state of a satanic union, which the EU is. Um, so obviously that all sits in the blood of the British and in the minds of the British. So generally we've never been too keen on the idea of, of union with Europe. 
Our political class thinks it's absolutely wonderful. Um, our media class thinks it's marvellous as well. But the people have never been keen on it at all. <clears throat> However, so you asked me what, what, what kind of led up to it. Well, I would say there's been a few key, key points. I think as you got bigger, it started to expand east. And the old Soviet Union countries came into the EU. A prime example to go with would be Poland, uh, a country where, you know, the um, the wage was very low. Um, it obviously been under <coughs> Soviet oppression for a long, long time. It came into the EU, and then <coughs> lots of its people left Poland because it was now in a a union where they had freedom of movement. They could work in countries in Northern Europe, predominantly Britain where they could earn a year's wage in two weeks. So what happened there? <clears throat> Lots of Poles came to Britain, and you had the compression of wages then, because people came in, cheap labour, and did jobs that, they, you know, um, squeezed the wages of British people, particularly in the building sector. Um, and obviously that built up a lot of resentment towards the EU, because people are not stupid, they could see clearly that this was a byproduct mm -hmm. of our membership of the so, European <clears throat> Union. I think it's worth noting, um, from my point of view anyway, that it's, it's, it's very much the system that is pushing and allowing this. So, let's face it, if, if the Poles in their current situation were offered a, uh, a way out, if you like, then they're going to take it, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So it's the system that's set up, that's at fault. Yeah. Well, well, the EU <coughs> is the beach boy of international finance. So, all the EU really is, in, in, its, in its plainest sense, is a means of allowing international finance and big business to take the mick in Europe, really. Um, to pay little tax, to get as much work out of the people for as little um, wages as possible. And yeah, this is not a knock of the polls, far from it. Um, <clears throat> but it's had a massive negative impact on the wages of Brits. So you've got that aspect there. You've also got, as I say, we were very Eurosceptic people anyway, so there was a lot of animosity towards the European Union. Um, then you had the 2014 Euro elections. Now you asked what led to the referendum, not what led to Brexit, what led to us having a referendum. Now in the 2014 European elections, UKIP won those elections. Now... It's worth mentioning, when we have elections in Britain, we have what's called first past the post, that's the electoral system. So that means, say in the, the uh, constituency of Yardley, um, I was representing a party and you was. I got 40% and you got 30%. I won. I get the seat in Parliament. Your 30% is completely insignificant. Whereas in the EU Parliament, our members of the European Parliament, the system is what's called proportional representation. So that means if you get 4 million votes and there's 20 million cast, you'll get that percentage of seats in the European Parliament. So when you keep for the general election in Britain a couple of years previous to that, they got 4 million votes, zero seats at Parliament. <clears throat> the Scottish National Party got about 2.5 million votes we got 56 seats in the British Parliament. 
because of that first past the post system. So I'm criticising the British electoral system <coughs> here. Absolutely. But what I'm saying now is, under the European Union's electoral system, the members of the European Parliament, I say it's proportional representation. So the percentage of the vote you get is the percentage of seats you get. So as I say, UKIP won that. And that sent the establishment into a craze. A Eurosceptic party, a party that wants out of the European Union, has gone and won a European election. So that's put massive pressure on the Tory party because clearly all those Eurosceptics that were Tories switched to UKIP. So that sent off a bit of a uh, domino effect in the, the Conservative Party and it split the Tory party between Eurosceptics and Europhiles. So, what David Cameron has tried to do is, he's for, firstly, to win his election, he put the promise there, if you vote for me, you will have a vote on the EU referendum. He has also thought, if I give him the EU referendum, this is going to unite the Conservative Party because they're going to vote and then the Conservative Party will come together as one because we've had the fair vote. Now, he banked on remain winning because he knew he had the media behind him the political establishment the education establishment absolutely everything behind the finance banking international everything. finance the lots so he banked, president of america yeah uncle obama there yeah he banked on so he thought that this gamble it wasn't a gamble to him to him it was a calculated decision to give the people the referendum it would unite the tory party he thought he'd kill you keep Clearly, the whole thing went very, very wrong for, for Uncle David. Like so, um, yeah. So, th so th there are a couple of of the reasons why I think we had um, the referendum there. Mm. But but maybe what is an interesting question that goes with it? What developed all this Euroscepticism? Mm -hmm. You know, um, like I say. Britain has been very, very used to being this independent nation. Uh, we had the Commonwealth, so we were the leader of a family of nations, or maybe a better way of calling it the Anglosphere. So you had obviously South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, all nations that had um, the Queen as their head of state, mm -hmm. nations that had been settled and populated by Englishmen. The Commonwealth, basically. Yeah, but, but, but in particular those Anglo-centric countries. Um, so we really had absolutely no need to, mm -hmm. to be part of this union. Um, and what, what happened when, when we joined this union was, was our traitor government turned its back on the Anglosphere, completely turned its back on it. Um, mm, you know, and for the reasons for that we can go into yeah. kind of thing. I think another, another contributing factor in, to the, public, um, yeah, the, the public's opinion uh, is obviously since, since the EEC we've just seen the decline and basically dismantlement of British industry it's just disappeared hasn't it over the years and which I think has all been calculated in, in a way because they look at the EU as the super state yeah. so they're not interested in what individual countries are, are doing because they're all there to serve the master which is the, the EU um, which is why you see like Germany probably prospering under in industry, and then 
us, uh, our country prospering in probably the, the service industry and banking and whatnot because we've all been selected and given certain tasks to do. French farming. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes, yeah, so, so, so they want, like you say, they want to dismantle the nation states and create this super state with regions, like you say, that mm-hmm. that are very easy to control. Mm-hmm. Easy um, to manage. You know, um, where, like you say, Britain is the service sector, the city of London is everything. Mm-hmm. The French with the farming, the, the Germans with the automotive industry. But what, what it's done, because it's all centralised like that. Now, if anyone knows anything about the Soviet Union, <clears throat> communism, it all rings... You know, alarm bells, it's, it's all the same. You know, this centralisation of power, this um, giving certain regions tasks or industries to, to, to concentrate on, not having um, self-sufficient nations that do everything for themselves, just having regions that do this job and that job. It, it's, it's all... Um, com- basically, communism didn't go away. It just rebranded itself mm-hmm. and relocated to Western Europe instead of Russia. Um... Yes, yeah, and I think I think a big thing for me is, like you've said, it started with the EEC, European Economic Community. Now, this was an economic union. It was just an economic union, mm-hmm. trading relationship. Now, like we spoke about earlier, with that how David Icke calls things the totalitarian tiptoe. They give it us. We're going to be an economic union. No one's got a great problem with that. I wouldn't have a problem yeah. with that now. I'd be absolutely fine with that. But what it is that they're a wolf in sheep's clothing because, yeah, we'll have an economic union and then gradually we'll break down the um, the constitutions of the various countries and we'll merge them into one constitution. Then it's... Um, we'll have a fiscal union. Mm-hmm. We'll have the euro, the, the currency, one currency. And then, you know, um, we'll have political union. Now we've got the European Commission that mm-hmm. dictates to all these countries what the... Um, laws are going to be in the various nations and then I think this is quite interesting in the EU referendum campaign Farage debated Nick Clegg and if you remember Nick Clegg's the guy who formed the coalition with the Conservatives a Liberal Democrat and in this debate Farage said to him Clegg you're pushing for a European army we know you are you want to do away with the British army and you want a European army now Nick Clegg said this was a wild fantasy now you've got Merkel openly talking about how well they're getting on with merging the armies and creating a one European army. So like I say, it's the totalitarian tiptoe. Um, and the wolf is revealed eventually. Like. But some people are probably thinking, wouldn't that be a good idea though? Wouldn't that be a really strong army? Because then no one's going to attack Europe. Now, to the minds of People who probably watch a few too many soaps, that would be the case. Mm-hmm. But if you understand how elites, let you know, let's talk maybe the Rothschild family, all these elite bloodlines, these banking cartels operate, everything is about centralising. So if you've got a very small number of people, very powerful, very influential people, trying to control them, and it's very, very difficult if you've got devolved government, you know, you've got government in England, you've got government in France, etc., etc. You've got armies in different nations. It's very difficult to control. Whereas if you centralise everything, you centralise the political union in Brussels, mm-hmm. now 10 
crazy bankers can control 500 million people if you then centralise the armed forces it's the same crack mm-hmm. but not only that what I find I think is worth noting here I've said this to you before the police would turn on us in a heartbeat because they don't come from our communities they're very different from us you see that down the football police beating the hell out of working class English men you know and they're happy as Larry to do it you could never get the British Army to do that you know you, you, you we might have had discussions before but I guarantee you could never get the British Army to turn on the people turn on the British people now if you create a European army yeah one army for the whole of Europe you'll have different brigades you'll have different regiments etc etc all you're going to do if you have, yeah if you have unrest in England just send the Spanish brigade of the EU army Smash the English. Yeah, they There's no connection to us. All they'll be thinking is, but they are, they give us right hiding in the Armada. It's revenge time. <laughs> it's very, very clever, you see. Now, if anyone knows what's been going on in France at the moment, they're trying to topple. Normal guys like us are trying to topple that beast Macron. Um, Ex Goldman Sachs banker. He's now the president of France. Rothschild frontman. Exactly. Um, they're trying to topple him. Now, I can provide people with videos of this. What they've deployed on the streets of France, Paris, you know, um, Bordeaux, etc., etc., is the European army. These armoured troop carriers with the EU flag on. Now, all the EU army is, it's the, uh, it's the foot soldiers of, of global finance. Those soldiers might be Estonian or Polish or whatever. They've no connection to the French. So they've been deployed to smash those French protesters. So like I say, you've got the centralisation of power allows the few to control the many, but you've also got that very, very handy trick of you couldn't get the British army to turn on the British people. I presume you couldn't get the French army to turn on the French. But you control the European armies as one army. You send a brigade from another country to smash Mm. the protesters. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a very clever, clever clever plan. It is clever. Mm, you yeah, know um, yeah uh, yeah so, so, so basically what y- your question was what led to the referendum and, I, and, and like I say I think I think all of that and and other things also like there's lots of mm. on, on in Europe in the in the years before like I think it's worth talking about the Irish and the Danish mm-hmm. um, referendums that they had in 2008 now, firstly, it's worth saying. So, in 2008, there was a thing put forward, the European Union's Constitution. Now, we've already got our Constitution with Magna Carta and whatnot, right? The Irish had their own Constitution. All the different nation-states had their own Constitution. Now, no good for the EU. No good for the few to control them any, is it, that? Mm-hmm. So, the EU proposed its own Constitution that would then supersede all the individual nation-state constitutions, right? And render them invalid, basically. Mm -hmm. They're invalid because the EU constitution sits above them. Now, Britain, our traitor government, just signed us up to it. Willy-nilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just backroom deal. Probably sacrificed some kids with their off-childs and then signed us up to it, you know? No drama. Great. Well, fair play to the Danish government or, you know, someone in their media or whatever, 
they clearly flagged it up to the point where the Danish had a referendum on it. Danish voted no. Now remember what listen to what I'm gonna say. Now think about the current day then. Danish voted no. <sighs> Can't be having that, Chief. <laughs> Danish were told, need to vote again, Chief. Didn't like the first answer. EU pumped in billions into Denmark for a propaganda campaign that gem- that mainly targeted the young, the students who were so easy to brainwash in the universities. Danish voted the correct way. Lisbon Treaty, the EU constitution, was then implemented in Denmark. Now, Ireland, who maybe had one of the best constitutions in the whole of Europe, um, a constitution that, that, that valued the Irish people, that valued their sovereignty, um, that realised that without fiscal control, without control of your own money, you're not an independent country. Well, the Irish were fooled. The Irish were asked to vote on the Lisbon Treaty, the EU Constitution. They voted no. <sighs> Wrong answer again, Chief. <laughs> Wrong answer again. Sorry, boys. Yeah, sorry, Paddy. <laughs> Have a Guinness. You're going to vote again, the old China. Mm. Um, pump, pump millions in again. There we go. Who yeah. did they target, do you reckon? Yeah. The young. The students, the young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Irish. Good Scared old them for their future, you know, because the, the, the older boys and girls... They've got a bit more about them, you know, they've seen a bit more. Yeah. So let's scare the kids, scare the young people and say, this is your future. Well, let's say... It's they've the... had their future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what we saw in our referendum yeah, build-up. Yeah. It was like, these old people are ruining our future. How dare they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but really, they just conceit for what it is. Yeah, yeah. All you've got to say to the youth is, might not have free roaming data in Europe, kid, if you don't vote for this. <laughs> that is a petty. Yeah. And what an absolute joke. You're the younger to, generation. You're going to have to pay for your minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you might not be able to get a uh, sun lounger around the pool because if you don't vote for this, there'll be a shortage of sun loungers. That's how stupid the youth have become. You know, that the, the, they can throw this kind of nonsense at them and, and they'll vote that way. So, yeah, so what happened then? The Irish voted, Paddy voted the correct way. He had a Guinness and he voted the right way. Now, the Irish constitution, now you may as well set it on fire because it's not worth the paper it's written on. Because the Lisbon Treaty sits above it now. So, British people are seeing all this. They're being told how democratic the EU is and how this, that and the other. They're looking and they're thinking, I don't like the look of this crap that's going on here. Now, Nigel Farage is the man, really. It wouldn't be fair to talk about the EU referendum without talking about him. He is really the linchpin to how we got the referendum. His speeches in the EU Parliament, his use of um, footage from the EU Parliament demonstrating how undemocratic these people are, radicalised the British people and made many British people think, this is not good, this EU crack. Um, The media, one particular paper that has recently been taken over, sadly, and is now pushing... Tory Remainer propaganda. But the Daily Mail was pretty much a Eurosceptic paper. And that, again, was um, flagging up lots that was going on in the EU. Um, So it kind of informed the minds of the British people, uh, particularly uh, nation-state lovers, like, you know, the old guard of the Tory party, the old school, like, that were patriotic, you know... um, 
UKIP voters, people who don't vote, particularly people that don't vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there was enough pressure there to, um, to bring about this vote. But like I say, he did it out of pragmatism, David Cameron. He thought... No chance. Not a chance. I've got the media on side. Yeah. I've got the education establishment on side, the political establishment. I've got everything. Yeah. No way. I'm going to get Uncle Obama <clears> over <throat> yeah. and he's going to tell us... When he got voted back in, he was probably laughing his little bollocks off, wasn't he? Yeah. His probably little bollocks. Yeah. Probably thinking, I can't believe they've bought, they think that, you know, that they're going to have this vote and it's going to count for anything and they've just voted me in again. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's probably over the moon, wasn't he? Laughing his little bollocks yeah. off. Yeah. But little did he know. Little did he know. <laughs> so let, let's move it on through to the campaign then. Obviously, well, what was it now? Nearly three years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. So this time three years ago, mm. we was probably he's ramping up now for the vote. Yeah. Um, saw a lot of to and fro in, a lot of uh, TV debates. Um, what what are some of the, the standout lies, if you like? Some of the standout lies, I think the best one for me is we cannot survive without the European Union. Now, you have to stand back and think about that statement. You can think about it from many, many angles. Maybe the first angle you can think of is is Iceland, that little Viking country. I think that's quite a good example. There's only 300,000 of them. Absolutely fine. They're not part of the European Union. Got a trade deal with China. They're happy, yeah. they're independent. In, so in fact, on a side note, there was actually a revolution there, wasn't there? Which is Which, remarkable, really. Yeah. Removed the bankers. Didn't yeah, they? they've thrown them out onto the streets, literally, didn't they? Yeah. Now, so that's the first one. And then I think we've got to go back to the Anglosphere again. Britain is not just this island nation of 65 or 70 million or whatever we are. We, pop, we, we settled continents, so we set, it's us, the Anglos, that settled the United States, that settled Canada, settled Australia, New Zealand, and to a smaller part, South Africa, and what was Rhodesia. So, our people, our colonial cousins, are around the world. So even if you did take it that little old Britain can't survive on its own, not alone at all, people of our blood that share our... Um, law, that share our language, that many of them share our Queen. And, you know, some of them, Australia, New Zealand, even have the Union flag in their flag. Mm-hmm. How could anyone with any brains whatsoever take that argument? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that sort of small victim mentality, and it? It's just insane. It's crazy. Look, what about yourself? What what for you was the standout lie? Mm, well, not not so much a lie, but I think leading up to it, when people were like, oh, I don't know what to do, you know, this, that and the other, I was just saying the very simple thing to them. Listen, the European Union, like I mentioned at the start, you cannot vote these people in and out. You, you, you've got no say in the laws that they pass. They're now controlling 75% of our laws being made by these people you can't vote in you, you can't vote out if you don't like them at least every four years we have an election so election. you know you, you can vote them in and out 
But um, uh, people just look at you blank. They'll be like, yeah, but... I'm, like, no, there's no yeah, but for that. That should be the big enough reason for you because what are you voting for here? You, you're voting for to be ruled over in a dictatorship. That's exactly what it is. Is it worth saying? There's, there's no, there's no democracy. You're voting for no democracy. Yeah. It's I, in, it's inverted, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's worth telling people because I think a lot of the time I definitely do. I don't know if you do. I presume that people know. Yeah, yeah. Stuff you know, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's definitely worth even, even politicians that are voting on it are not reading the the articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's worth explaining to the audience there that in the European Parliament, you've got members of the European Parliament that we elect, right? But they have pretty much no power because you have what's called an unelected European Commission. That you know, you've got Jean Claude Juncker and, and the like. So you've got this EU commission unelected unelected right they propose all the new legislation so what kind of facade have we got going on there they propose the legislation Mm -hmm. they're unelected we've no way of removing it we didn't put them there up until the referendum they were faceless people as well really weren't they it's only since the referendum that we've heard the names and we've started seeing the people but even still, even still, they're not. The average person wouldn't know anything about them. Ah. But they're, well, a lot of people that voted for Remain are placing the the power and the future of their future and their children's future in in the hands of these people yeah. that they know nothing about. What's interesting about the campaign, mate? I always, whenever I spoke to Remainers, if I could bear not to tear them to pieces or verbally abuse them, I'm only joking, I wouldn't. I used to say to them, you make the case for the EU to me. Go on. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, peace. I'm not, what? Together. We've got to be together. <laughs> I'm not, what? What? What, what? what are you talking about? A piece of bread? Or what, what are you on about? No, they'd say, peace. So, right. So then I'd hit them back straight away with, it's not the EU that's kept peace in Europe since the Second Brother War. It's NATO that's kept the peace in, in, in Europe since that. Right? This is them. Right. I'm like, come on, make the case for the EU for me. Trade. Right? Okay. So then I'll be like, so we've got to be part of a political, military and economic union that we send £350 million a week to just to trade with European nations. I use the example of Iceland again, I'd say. Iceland doesn't need to be in any of this union with China to trade with China or the United States. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, come on, please, please make the case. Honest to God, this is, this is the done. Now, I'm then saying to them, would you like me to make the case for leaving? Uh, they look at me as if to say, no, I really don't, but go on. So I would say to them, do you believe in democracy? Of course they believe in democracy. Like we've just spoke about then, the EU is absolutely anti-democracy. We've given examples. You've got the EU Commission that proposes legislation that is unelected. You've got two referendums that took place on the Lisbon Treaty that were completely ignored by the EU and made to vote again. Then I would say to them, do you value sovereignty? Do you value being a sovereign nation? Because without delving into the real reasons behind World War One and World War Two, the kind of 
gut reaction reasons for World War One and World War Two from these kind of people is we wanted to remain free. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay, I'll take that at face value, we wanted to remain free. So we're not sovereign and we're not independent, so how are we free? Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we're not free. And then I would say to them, here's just a very simple one for you. Do you think it's okay that 10,000 people in Brussels, over 10,000 people, get paid more than David Cameron? How is that working for you? 10,000 employees of the EU. So that's you paying mass, mass tax. We've got loads of British people on the streets, living on the streets. You've got 10,000 people living it up, big style. Living la vida loca. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> I thought the snake keeps come on there. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so I'll just roll that example after example after example. Now, my conversation with the Remainers is very um, indicative of the, of the whole process building up to it. If you gave a Brexiteer any airtime, it was a bad move from your establishment because. Give us airtime, we're just going to tear you apart. When Farage was given a place on those panels, them debating panels, he absolutely wiped the floor with everyone. Mm-hmm. Even the lower level um, Brexiteers, you know, he's a very prominent chap. Even your average Joe on the street, me or you, or blokes that I've worked with, they know the stuff, you know. Um, and it became very clear to people that, what are we part of this for, you know? Mm-hmm. We're literally propping up a failing economy. economy. Yeah. Bailing out countries that have got nothing to do with us. And not only that, like... We're in a deficit, aren't we? Absolutely. We're operating a deficit. We're putting way more than what we take out. And not, not only that, like... From, a, from like, you know, I may not agree with this, but a lot of people think it's a good thing that we got rid of the royal families of Europe, we got rid of the... To a lesser degree, the aristocracies. Mm-hmm. You know, people that maybe lived off having serfs on the land. Uh, you know, slaves, really. Mm-hmm. Living on their land and paying tax on their land and blah, blah. So they lived the high life. People think it's a good thing that we got rid of that, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of these Europhiles think that. And I'll take that at face value, that's fine. But then I'll put the case to them. Is the European Parliament not just a modern-day aristocracy? A load of very wealthy... Very moneyed, very privileged people sitting on their arse, mm-hmm. getting just from the United Kingdom three hundred and fifty million pound a week mm-hmm. to do what? We already have a Parliament, Westminster, can deal with absolutely everything. Why are we replicating it in Brussels? It just seems like another layer of elites mm-hmm. living off us to me. You know, it's a scam, and it's, it's, it's a, a scam. Such a huge scam. But because it's in your face and it's it's normal, oh well, you know, it's not a scam. It's fine. Or even as simple as that, like you've already got a parliament, right? Do we need two parliaments yeah. to decide on one thing? Like, yeah. What, what what are you getting at? If, if that's a if we do, let's just get rid of our parliament. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. And we'll just report directly into the European yeah, Union. Yeah. Well, don't put the smoke screen in front of us. Yeah, the the, uh, the illusion of choice. Yeah, it's just a huge gravy train, isn't yeah. it? Of course it um, is. I think it's worth mentioning. Um, you made a very, very good point about how the EU wants to centralise everything, but then to devolve um, 
production into regions, like you've made the case, Britain service industry, the French with farming, the Germans with automotive uh, manufacture. Now, Britain's an island. Engage your brain, everyone, now. Think we are an island. We are completely surrounded by the sea. What really should be our number one industry? It should be fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just makes sense, like, you know. Right? The European Union. So we had many fishing towns, right, all across the United Kingdom that prospered. Normal guys like me or you would have our own fishing boat and we would have a very good life, be able to have a good family, live well, off the fruits of being an island. Now, the EU set a quota system where British fishermen could only catch X amount of tonnes a week or whatever. We had to surrender loads of our waters to French fishermen and Spanish fishermen and God knows who. So what that did, these coastal towns that had been thriving communities for, for millennia, they went to rack and ruin. There's no work. If you can't fish, there's nothing there. There's no factories. So unemployment set in. The drugs came in. Now these fishing towns now are absolute ghost towns. That's a direct effect of the European Union. Mm-hmm. On that point, it would be worth everyone having a look. If they just pop into Google, I would Brexit flotilla or the Battle of the Thames. Mm-hmm. Nigel Farage is an absolutely remarkable chap. He took a an armada, I suppose, for want of a better word, of British fishing vessels down the Thames with the Union flags across St George's flying uh, just before the referendum. Now, this was propaganda genius. A vile human being known as... Uh, what's his name now, Stephen? Bob Goldoff. Bob Goldoff, thank you. You know, feed the world and all that. Multi-billionaire, feed the world. Poor people, give me some money to feed the world. I can't spare a penny. Yeah. He put out a boat. He was a Remainer with a load of his multi-millionaire friends. Now, these fishermen were in their boats. These are the blokes that have had their livelihoods stolen. The bottom. They're us. They're, they're real people like us. They went down the Thames. Now, your man there, Galdoff, and all his mockers were photoed giving the two-finger salute to these fishermen. Now, there's your, there is your explanation of the European Union. The elite sticking their fingers up to the little people mm-hmm. and saying, fuck you. Look, it was perfect, it, it wasn't was it? Perfect. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Mm. He couldn't have... He couldn't Mr. have sold it any better for us, like... Mm. Mr. Feed the World. Yeah. But we can't feed ourselves. <laughs> yeah, leave the fish alone. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So... Move, let's, let's talk about the day then, the big day. Yeah. Now you probably didn't sleep through the night, did you? Well, for excitement <laughs> as the boats were getting counted. I was actually at work, funnily enough, and uh, I won't talk about the work that I do, but anyway, in my work, I have to stay over sometimes. And I had to stay over. I'd be working the whole day, 14 hour shift, but I absolutely had enough in the engine to stay up throughout the night. Um, I'm even getting excited talking about it. I literally can't explain the feeling of jubilation mm-hmm. when it became clear that that we'd won. I, I remember, I think I woke up, it was in June, wasn't it? So yeah, it was yeah. like light. It was, June the 23rd, yeah. yeah. Very, light, yeah. very light in the morning. I think I was up about half four, just woke up, you know. You got you got things on your mind, yeah, yeah, you yeah. wake up, didn't you? 
And yeah, I just I remember turning the TV on. I was like, no, because obviously you know that we voted to leave, yeah. and we, we we wanted it to happen, but we we were all very sceptical. We yeah, thought, yeah, you know, yeah. there's no way they're going to allow this. Yeah. Surely not. We've got everything against us. Yeah, yeah. And then it just it came through. And we couldn't get our Ricky hat on, could we? Oh, mate. <laughs> and then to see Farage's speech. Literally at four in the morning, he says, uh, I'm going to pretty much quote it here. He says, um, the dawn is breaking on a free and independent United Kingdom. And he's got tears in his eyes. I could watch that a hundred times. Because that's what I've tried to say to people. No matter how they try and sabotage Brexit, we're going to keep fighting. But just remember that for, for the rest of your life. That we took on the establishment and we beat the establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a little side note on, on that. I think what's remarkable about that EU referendum was I know so many people that never voted in their whole life but they felt this vote meant so much to them because all they could see this as was this is the British lion letting out a roar and saying we've got the will to survive and we hate this vile establishment that sold us down the river in so many ways Mm -hmm. and I'm voting to kick back at them. Now, I know fat members of my family that were bussing around their great-aunties, their second and third and 25th remove cousins, <laughs> going and picking them up, people that don't drive, going and picking them up and bussing them to the polling booths, getting them there to vote. That's how engaged the British mm-hmm. people were for this and how passionate they felt about it. And I think if they keep... You see see, you see this way they're frustrating Brexit now? This this could be a massive own goal for them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, go on, keep frustrating it, keep, keep kicking the will of the people. Now they're thinking that we're going to just take this line roll down, over, roll over and die. I wish we had the revolutionary attitude. I don't. I'm not sure we have like the French. But there's only so much you can push to people. Because if you completely take all the agency from people, if you tell people they live in a democracy, and you pay your taxes and you go to work, and don't worry because in a democracy you get to choose from time to time. You know, you you get to vote and you have some agency, some power. Now, if you create that facade and then you actively strip the people of that power, I'm not sure what they're left with. Mm. Co- co- doing it covertly is one way, isn't it? But Overt. It, oh, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's on the news every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, just today I saw an article which, which says Theresa May has been quoted to say that Brexit being overturned is more likely than a no-deal Brexit. But that is exactly what we voted for, a no-deal Brexit. Absolutely. There, there was no talk of, well, yeah, we'll have a Brexit, but we better go and see what we can have off of. It was, listen, see you later. Should we talk about that? Because that's worth yeah. talking about, that is. Well put, we voted for a no-deal Brexit now. To people that aren't on this all the time, that might sound a bit odd. What a no-deal Brexit is, is leave the customs union, leave the single market, have no more free movement of labour. Um, do not have yet. Do not have laws dictated to us by the European Court of uh, Justice and Human Rights and whatever. Make our Parliament sovereign again. Tear down those satanic EU flags and make the union flag supreme in our land. That's a no deal. That's what we voted. That's Brexit. Take back the waters. Take back the cetera, waters. Yeah, yeah. Um, let them fishing towns flourish again. Push the drugs out. Mm-hmm. Let the people have employment again. That's just Brexit. 
I don't know what, what they've done. It's they're so clever. They're calling it a no deal Brexit. It's a fear thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a means of scaring the populace. There's no such thing as a no deal Brexit. It's either Brexit or no Brexit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's. Let's not label it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like a deal. A deal with the European Parliament is no Brexit. No Brexit, yeah. That's how people are going to get it into their heads. I speak to people and I, I feel, ugh, sometimes I ain't got the patience, but people that were ardent Brexiteers and kind of, they've had the fear mongering done to them and they've, they've internalised it mm. and now they're saying to me, right, we need a deal. Mm. I'm like, what the hell do we need a deal for? It's as simple as this. <laughs> as soon as we leave on a no deal a Brexit, a real Brexit. World Trade Organisation trading arrangement, like China trades with the EU. I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, like the United States trades with the EU. That's that. End mm. of story. We then open up to the world market. What? The oh. world is a little bit bigger than the EU. Yeah. And the, the, the world economy is very much bigger than the, the EU. And so like, like let's talk- not cry about it. Absolutely. Like let's go we, and make the best of it. Like we've talked about. Let's make friends with our colonial cousins yeah. again. Canada, exactly. Australia. Who have just been America. cast aside. Absolutely. Really. I think what we didn't, we were going to talk about, weren't we? The EU and the European people. I think that's worth talking about, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, let's make a note of that. So, so many people mistake the EU for Europe. The EU's not Europe. The people of Europe are Europe. And I absolutely love the peoples of Europe. And I, I love the peoples of Europe. I love we're one people. The European people are one people, but with various cultures. Mm-hmm. We're such a rich culture from the beautiful Blum people in Scandinavia with their Viking history, all the way down to the Med Babes, which we're quite fond of, aren't we? But the Scando Babes are nice as well. <laughs> but yeah, down to the Med with its hot climate and it, you know yeah. it's, its rich culture. And the food and the music and absolutely. It- well, there you go. Snake hips like me, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, we love the peoples of Europe and, and, and it, I care deeply for the peoples of Europe. The EU is anti-European people. They mm-hmm. hate the peoples of Europe. You know, if they didn't hate the peoples of Europe, they wouldn't be admitting into the territory of Europe millions and millions and millions of fighting age, third world savages, Males, all males, not little kiddies and women, males. Invaders, they're admitting them into our, mm-hmm. our territory. Now, the EU. So, I think it's worth mentioning, and I have mentioned it in previous uh, podcasts. One of the architects, the godfathers of the European Union, was a man called Richard Kudenhoff Kalergi. Now, there's a thing called the Kalergi Plan. And I would like everyone to have a little look into this. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the Kalergi plan, devised by him, was a plan to absolutely flood Europe with non-Europeans and to mix it to such a degree that our culture and bloodlines could not survive in a bid to loot Europe of all its resources. But because once once you mix the people enough, they have no means of becoming a collective and fighting back because they're completely atomised, like we've said before. <clears throat> so his plan... Divide and rule, isn't it? Divide and rule, absolutely, is to flood. His plan, the EU's plan, Jean-Claude Juncker, the lot of them, flood Europe with all these non-Europeans um, to the point where we literally vanish. And then 
his pie masters, the Rothschilds, will loot our continent even more than they already have. Now, the Kalergi plan, K-A-L-E-R-G-I plan, is well worth looking into. I think what's interesting, the motto of the European Union is United in Diversity. Now, I'll just leave that statement there for a moment. Mm. I think the agenda is clear there. Mm-hmm. Europe is not and never has been diverse. Europe has been European for millennia. Mm-hmm. It's not been African. Africa's Africa. It's not been Asia. Asia's Asia. Europe is European. Now, I've just cited the Kalergi plan, one of the godfathers of the EU. Look into the Kalergi plan. It's the... the, the they want to basically completely destroy the cultures of Europe, smash them with third world immigration, then take into account that the European Union's matter is united in diversity. Mm. And we're not talking about what we were just talking about, where we've got all these different cultures around Europe which make Europe the amazing place that it is. We're talking about the external factors, aren't we? Absolutely. We're not talking about European people being of the same blood, but being... (coughs) having a variety of cultures, like mm-hmm. we said, Viking, Celts, Saxons, etc. Mm-hmm. We're talk- we know what diversity means. Diversity means no more Europeans. Because I, capital D, capital I, capital E. Absolutely. Because whenever they cite diversity, it always means too many white people. Now, they'll go to schools, Ofsted, everyone knows what Ofsted is, the people that, the governing body that sits over schools and makes sure that they're doing a quote-unquote good job. Now, they go to places in Somerset and Devon, and you do type them to Google, you find it straight away, and say how the schools are, quote, too white and in need of diversity. Now, they don't get to Smallleaf and Allen Rock and Sparkhill and Sparkbrook and Bradford and Luton and Slough, etc., and say to go into the schools and say, needed some diversity here, Chief. A bit Muslim, this school. Diversity only means too many white people in need of wiping out. That's what diversity means. That's why whenever I see that word, I know what the agenda is. It's very clear. You know, um, I think, again, the sort we've not really touched on is, is the euro currency. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something people should bear in mind. Keep, we were told in the EU referendum, and we're being told now, that all the experts... Tell us that Brexit is bad, all the experts. Firstly, we don't need to go into it, but who are these experts? Whose payroll are they on? The experts. The experts, exactly. Well, we can can actually name some of the experts, like um, the OECD or the um, World Bank. Uh, These are the kind of experts we're talking about. Now, these are the same experts that said, if we didn't enter the euro currency... Mm-hmm. We'd fall off the edge of a cliff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, if anyone knows anything about the euro currency, it's a dying currency. The pound is still very respected and still punching strong. Mm-hmm. These are the same people that said, if we vote to leave the European Union, we will fall off the edge of a cliff. Now, these are the same people now saying, if we go ahead with Brexit, you can guess where we're going, mm-hmm. off the cliff. So... Don't just accept what people are... Because people are quote-unquote experts. Mm-hmm. Experts in what? Experts in being the lackeys of the Rothschilds. Yeah. You know, 
experts in taking bongs and selling their people out. That's what they're experts in, nothing else. Yeah. I think it's a very interesting point that I saw on, on your uh, Instagram stories the other day as well, which ties in nicely with this, about we're, we're told by... Well, it's, it's, no, it's no surprise that they're trying to derail Brexit because all of these people are Remainers. Yeah. We haven't got anybody elected who was for leaving, yeah. making any decisions. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't they be trying to derail it? It makes perfect sense, doesn't yeah. it, really? Why wouldn't they be trying to sell you a pack of lies? Yeah. So you can say, our civil service completely remain. Our Prime Minister campaigned for Remain. Her cabinet, prior to many, many resignations, was weighted 50-50 Brexiteer Remainer. All the Brexiteers have left. Because it's become clear to them that this is a saboteur effort going on here. So her whole cabinet is Remain. So you've got the civil service, the government Remain, the media Remain. And then people are saying to me, I can't figure out why we're not getting this Brexit process done. If you don't want to do something, it's not going to happen. We've had nearly three years now. Why is there a mad panic at the end all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. this isn't an accident, you know what I mean? But people, what people have got, and I'm very fearful of this, what they're trying to do, they're trying to fatigue the people. What they're doing is, they're thinking, if we keep this crack up, and we keep bombarding people with how hard it is and how tragic, people are going to go, and a lot of, some people will, weak people will, Mm. they'll go, I wish I'd just voted for Remain. Can now. we just have another vote? And I'll vote Remain. Because I want this yeah. done. Just keep, just keep us as we are. We're, all right. We're yeah. all right as we are. Please, people. Remember why you voted. Yeah, and know that this is the agenda. This is what they're trying to do. And it's working with some yeah. weak people. But it's happened in Ireland and Denmark, like you said before. Yeah. That let, us be the, let us be the leading light in Europe. You know, and let's lead yeah. the, the, the nations and peoples of Europe to freedom. Let's not be weaklings and then think you know what I don't need the aggro mm. we'll take the aggro yeah let's I think it. you know when you, you think this sometimes people say oh I can't have the aggro this is about independence you've had blokes you know run across no man's land at the sun run up the beach to Normandy for, yeah. for, for our quote unquote freedom not fucking being asked to do that like yeah. you know not putting a cross in a box you know, you know what, what I mean, mean? putting a piece of paper in a box yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, we're uh, fortunate to have had it, you know. Yeah, it's all. It's 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 um, yeah. People have just got to stay stay on track. Think if if we are forced to have another set of European elections, vote UKIP. It's the only party. I said this in my um, one of my stories the other day. I made the mistake in the last general election of voting Conservative just to keep Labour out. Now I voted for the lesser of two evils. I'll never do that again because Labour are Marxist traitors. The Conservatives are just capitalists who will sell us down the river at a slower rate than Labour, but they'll still sell us down the river. Never again. The only way to get our Brexit and to get a patriotic government that has sense and puts the, the people first is to vote UKIP. So that's what I'll be doing in the EU elections. We've also got to keep engaging. I know it sounds silly, but it's so important. That's how we won Brexit. Keep posting pro-freedom, pro-Brexit stuff. and We've all got platforms now mm-hmm. it's not like years ago where we only had newspapers free advertising isn't it? we can we can advertise our point of view constantly you know mm-hmm. i'm on it you're on it you know through instagram through twitter through you know whatever because it's the particularly twitter it's the twitter sphere what is known as the twitter sphere 
that won us Brexit largely. It's Twitter sphere that won Trump's election. Because the mainstream media is the enemy of the people. They're not going to give a balanced point of view. Whereas Twitter, not as much now, but it was a free platform where you could have genuine dialogue. And if we get dialogue, we win. Because mm -hmm. our points of view are genuine, valid. Yeah. You got anything else to add? Um, I think we've covered quite a bit there, but yeah, we have. Yeah, just, just, just really to say, um, yeah, just stick with it. Yeah. We know what we want. You know why you voted. You want independence. You want sovereignty. You want control of our borders. Mm -hmm. You want our um, elected representatives to elect to represent us, not an unelected commission. Mm -hmm. You want democracy. People always yeah. tell me we were invading all these. Middle Eastern countries in the name of quote unquote democracy, yeah, yeah. but we can't have democracy. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's, 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 it's it's a joke. It's crazy, isn't it? So yeah, just keep just keep keep on it, like, it. and we are we are gonna get it yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. It, it, they well they can obviously go back on it, but of course I can't I can't imagine if they just overturned it. But if they do, it's because then. I don't know what would happen. I don't know what would happen. Revolution? Yeah. So either way, it's win-win for me. <laughs> give us the Brexit, great. Don't yeah. give us the Brexit. Sound. Perhaps we have a revolution. Yeah. And I'd be happy with that. So, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a very, very fine line they're treading mm. now. Um, you know, as again, just to talk about France, he has pushed the French people so far that now they're burning down the central banks. They're going after the Rothschilds. Mm-hmm. You know, because they know he's just a whore of the Rothschilds. Yeah. Same as uh, Theresa May. He's, it's not a nice word, but she is the whore of an international banking cartel. You know, the Rothschilds and Merkel. and all them. Yeah, Angela Merkel, another slave to them. You know, implementing their agendas. Quick one before, before we run out of time. Look into this, everyone. Theresa May, no children. Merkel, no children. Macron, no children. The Belgian Prime Minister, no children. All these leaders of Western Europe that are selling our continent down the river, selling our children's futures into literally third world hell, have no children. They've nothing vested in the future, so they're happy to sell posterity out for a few shekels. We should not be trusting these people with no children. Because, like I say, they've nothing vested in the future. When they die, they can have all their shekels thrown in the, the, the tub with them, and they ain't got to worry about the future of their kids. Mm. Whereas you look quickly at like Viktor Orban, leader of Hungary, leader of Poland, leader of Italy, all pro nation, pro Europe people, pro people, <coughs> all got kids. Mm -hmm. There's a clear correlation there for me. One thing I just want, want to end on hopefully, you know, we get what we want, and we are, like you say, that the leading light for European and other European nations like Hungary, Poland, Italy yeah. follow us, France Absolutely. hopefully, you know, they say listen, they're having it, let's have a referendum a Europe of and nation and freedom let's, let's, let's no. break it up yeah. Absolutely. so, thank you for listening everyone, I hope that was informative if you know, <laughs> you, you wasn't as clued up hopefully you are now um, feedback is always appreciated, so Keep it coming and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you.